Welcome to the Real Surfers Entertainment Podcast. You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We are friends who love to talk movies, comics, and TV. What the heck are you guys doing? Trying to ruin my life and make me look like a friggin' idiot? So please join Roby. I'm Batman. And Cujo. I'm your Huckleberry. As we discuss all things entertainment. This can't be happening, man. This isn't happening. I'd like to have a calm discussion on this topic. Do you think we can manage that? And now, here are the real surfers. Since my customary farewell would appear oddly self-serving, I shall simply say, good luck. Hey, everybody. Cujo with the real surfers here. Got my buddy Robes with me, and we're just going to kick around some stuff tonight, sitting around the table talking about some things that have uh, I've seen recently, and uh, a couple of plays I saw on a recent trip to New York City, so that was kind of fun. Um, and I just happened to see, now it's been a couple of weeks since it's been out, and I went to see Solo, a Star Wars story, last night. I didn't have any huge, huge passion to go see it. Um I don't know why, but it, it didn't have the same kind of feeling for me as far as a, a push to go see it as maybe Rogue One did. And maybe now that'll kind of be the, the way I feel with the rest of these spinoffs. I don't know how you feel about all these spinoffs, Robes, but I hope they don't get to the point where they're they're overdoing it and saturating the Star Wars market for us. Yeah, I think, well, it's just... <sighs> It's kind of going back to what we were talking about before the podcast. I think that's another one of my reasons of I just can't get into movies and stuff right now because it's so oversaturated with with this stuff. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's cool, you know, it kind of appealing to us older guys that that this was our childhood, but <laughs> you know, all the drama and stuff that they apparently had on set and. And all the other things, and probably they probably didn't really pick the best actor to play Han. Uh, just yeah. you know, it, to me right now, it's just not worth for me to spend my money to to go see something that's probably mediocre. Yeah, and and so I'll I'll just give you my initial thoughts about where this isn't a this isn't a full movie review, and there may be a little bit of spoilage in here for anybody that hasn't seen it yet. But I mean, it's been out a couple weeks, so sorry. Um, and again, not a full movie review, but just my thoughts on some of the take on it is I never got into the full feeling and I I don't know why I was just maybe it was a mental block in the way I was thinking about this but I I could not buy that dude I guess I think his name is Alden Ehrenreich as uh, Han Solo we had talked about this before the movie ever came out we found out who was cast for it and uh, some of the even previews for it and we said there was like this other actor out there on YouTube or whatever that like kind of looked like a young Harrison Ford and he had his like mannerisms and his voice stylings and stuff down. And there's a couple times here and there where, and I don't know if it's intentional or just happened, but you know, this guy, you can kind of pick up a Han vibe, but it just seemed like a different movie. Like I didn't, I didn't think of it as young Han Solo. So that, that kind of busted for me a little bit. Um, the movie itself had a decent, decent plot, um, kind of explained some interesting things or their way of explaining them about the Han Solo story and where he came from 
and how he grew up grew up that way. Uh, Amelia Clark, the lady from Game of Thrones, who plays uh, Tar- uh, Targaryen, it uh, is really pretty good in it. I, I, w- I wasn't expecting much from her in it, but uh, she surprised me. She's gorgeous, besides, um, but she was she was phenomenal in it. Um, Woody Harrelson, uh, amazingly, again, I thought when I saw the previews, I was like, ah, oh, he could be annoying, but he was very again funny and he didn't overact his part as sometimes he can do. Thandie uh, Newton, who you may also know from HBO's Westworld, uh, was in this, so a lot of HBO people in this thing, and Donald Glover may have stolen the show as a young Lando Calrissian. Very, very good. Um, I, I thought, boy, this guy's going to come in and try to do, but uh, you know, try to do Lando and, and Billy D. Williams. And man, he had a few of the voice mannerisms down just in the right places at the right time. And he didn't overplay his hand, I didn't think either. So he was very good. You sound like you were going to say something real time. Oh, well, you- all I was going to say is. You know, if you've listened to the show before, you know my feelings towards um, Donald Glover. Donald Glover, yeah, because any <laughs> you know, anytime some nerdy thing comes up that involves an African American, it's Donald Glover should be playing that part, which I think is just <laughs> stupid. <laughs> I know that was the whole thing with like the Spider-Man situation, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, when they were, they were talking about. Going with the Miles Morales Spider-Man, who's like African American or whatever, everybody's like, "Oh, it needs to be Donald Glover." You know, he's such a fan. He's blah blah blah. And I'm like, that doesn't make it right. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Batman. That doesn't mean I need to be playing Batman in a movie. Right, right. But <laughs> I will give this from the previews. I really got that kind of sense that he was a Lando. He was Lando. So. I, I think if they can't, I mean, if it was a true casting and they, they looked for a right guy for a right part for this, I, I think he wanted, he could have won it out or he did win it out. Or if that's how he got it, he deserved it because he was, he was believable to me as Lando, a young Lando. Um, Paul Bettany is in this movie and plays a pretty decent uh, bad guy, which he can do sometimes. He was pretty, pretty much a bastard. Um, but again, going back to the main character that this is about, it was just like watching a movie about, like, it was like a good movie about this dude that was in this Star Wars universe, and, oh, yeah, he's supposed to be Han Solo. Like, I had to keep him, oh, yeah, he's supposed to be Han Solo. And, I mean, he wasn't a, he wasn't a bad actor or anything, it just, I, I never got that feeling. The only time I really kind of got the feeling is the other character who was great in it was a young Chewie if you will, at 190 years old, if you could be young. But Chewbacca was, was kind of neat. The way they met, I liked that whole scene. Um, them discovering the Millennium Falcon with uh, Lando and then eventually figuring out how it becomes into, um, into Han's possession. Uh, really kind of cool. They, they, they set those parts up kind of nicely. And it was really interesting, like the beginning of every Star Wars movie, and I can't remember how Rogue One started now, but the beginning of every Star Wars movie, you're used to, you're waiting for the Lucasfilm thing to come up, and then you're waiting for a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, which that part did come up, and then you're waiting for the, you know, you're waiting for the Star Wars thing, and that never happened, so 
and it's kind of divested from the uh, Star Wars franchise in that way, but it had these nice little moments where, like, when they would do certain things that tied into the main Star Wars themes, like discovering the Millennium Falcon, they played that, like, the subtle but a little bit stronger music behind there, and it, it like, kind of choked you up sometimes. Like, oh, this was the beginning. Like, this is where it came from. And you learn how he does the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs or whatever. Uh, that whole story that he always tells, this now makes sense what he's talking about if this is what they envisioned and why he had to do it and all that. So I just wanted to talk about that. I think it was uh, it was an okay movie. I, I wasn't blown out of my seat. Wow, this is the best thing I've ever seen. I wasn't the worst movie I've ever seen, but I was kind of like you, I, I kind of the way you're feeling robes, like you wouldn't rush out to see it. It's not a must see. And I was like, mm. I mean, to me, Rogue One, that storyline was better because of what we know it led to. This was like, it didn't really need to be made, but okay, it was a decent movie that they did. So yeah, but but this could have been, or Rogue One was a one and done type thing. Solo could have been a part two, or you know, it could have led somewhere somehow into something more. Yeah, and I, I really feel like they just screwed it up. Sorry, sorry, Ron Howard, but. You know, sometimes you just can't save that sinking ship. <laughs> yeah, and he did it. I mean, Ron, I mean, it was shot pretty well, so I think Ron did a decent job with it. Um, here's here's where my controversy came in, and I didn't realize it till we were driving home in the car, and I was talking to my son about it. But at the end, and this is where a spoiler may come in. So at the end of the movie, Woody Harrelson, his character, keeps talking to um, Han Solo. Uh, about um, meeting up at some future point on Tatooine. So obviously we know on Tatooine they go to Mos Eisley and they meet in the, Luke meets him in the cantina. So there's some kind of involvement there with Jabba the Hutt and Greedo and all that stuff. So there's a scene where Emily Clark's character, Kira, is makes a call after Paul Bettany's demise, let's say, and the figure that she's talking to is, the, and it's the leader of this group, uh, the Crimson something or other. I can't remember. It, it's some kind of, like, uh, you know, gang or something. So, and the leader is a hologram, and she's talking to Darth Maul. So I was like, oh, Darth Maul, cool. There's where he's involved in here. So then it's maybe about a, you know, 30-second thing. Not really thinking about it. He says, come find me on, um, oh, what the hell's the name? Dathoria. I'm sorry, people, if I'm screwing it up. I can't remember the name of his. But my son knew it because he had watched Star Wars Rebels, which Darth Maul has a hand in, and so on, until Obi-Wan kills him again. So we're driving back, and all of a sudden we're talking about Darth Maul, and all of a sudden I go, wait a minute. How the hell could Darth Maul be in this movie? If, if you go in the chronological timeline, Darth Maul was killed by Obi-Wan Kenobi when he got cut in half and fell down the elevator shaft back in A Phantom Menace, which was the first of the chronological movies while Obi-Wan was a young man. So this would have to be like 60 years or so, I'm assuming, in the future. I don't know what the actual chronological timeline, I haven't looked that up. But I was like, wait a minute, how could that be possible? 
there's no way Darth Maul can be there because Han Solo would have to be as old or older than Obi-Wan was, you know? So that made me start looking online at like 1230 in the morning last night. And there's all these um, theories out there about how Darth Maul could appear in the Solo Star Wars story. And I guess it follows some kind of like, uh, what's the other series? Um, the Clone Wars. There's another. I think that's the animated series, and then there's that Star Wars Rebels, which is uh, it's like the. It is an animated series too, but it's like the. Uh, it's not stop motion, but it's a different type of animation. It's not cartoon animation. So. <laughs> Darth Maul, apparently, now this is where, Robe, see if you buy into this at all. <laughs> apparently, Darth Maul, when he is hacked in half, or this is the storyline that people have said that they go with, when he was hacked in half by Obi-Wan Kenobi, that because it was a lightsaber, it instantly cauterized, you know, his body and kept all his internal organs above the waist intact. So his heart, his lungs, stomach, and all that. Okay. And as he was falling down the shaft, he was, since he had some force sense and he was uh, angry, so fueled by hatred of Obi-Wan that he flew himself into, similar to what Luke does when he falls down in, in the, the one star, in the Empire Strikes Back or whatever that is. And, and he goes into like a garbage chute down that shaft. And then he's flown to this, planet where they dump the garbage and lives there for 12 years eating rats and stuff like that out of the garbage and forms himself a pair of like spider legs or something that he makes and then eventually his brother who's I, I can't remember his name that was in the article um, comes on a mission to find them because his sisters, I guess he's got these sisters or they're called the sisters or something, send the brother out to look for him and they find him on this planet, bring him back and give him a set of like uh, animatronic or uh, artificial legs, almost like, a, you know, like a cyborg type of thing. And that's how he's still alive to, to have that scene in this movie. So, in the timeline of it, they say that would be, so in the Clone Wars, so he gets hacked in half, he lives through the Clone Wars, and it's up through the point of Star Wars Rebels, which is before the newest movies, but with, I guess it's right before the, I think it's supposed to be before 4, 5, and 6 happen. Yeah, because Darth Vader becomes the new Darth Sith Lord. So, I think Obi-Wan somewhere, at least in the Star Wars Rebel version, somewhere in there kills him again, faces him and kills him again, but this time for good, apparently. So I was just like, like that just blew my mind then when I was thinking about it. How the hell did they have Darth Maul in there? And if that's true, they then, and this could be where they're going with it, because I heard some talk, wild speculation about this out there before, that they're supposed to be just like they're doing these solo like this this uh star wars stories that they're going to do one based on the villains or something like i i've heard him talk about a boba fett one and I, i'm wondering are they going to do a darth maul one and tell what's gone on with him his beginning his 
interaction there and then what happens after that. But I don't know if you have any input on that or if you've heard anything about any of that kind of stuff. Um, I had heard that there was something kind of a, a teaser towards Darth Maul in that solo movie. Mm-hmm. But um, what I kind of understood, because it was just the, it was just the ship, right? It was the just a, a reference to the Crimson Dawn or something like that. Well, they sh- so I think that's the I think that's the name of that. Uh, the Crimson Dawn is the name of the the group. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, that's and so everybody throughout the solo movie, you think Paul Bettany is the leader of it, yeah. and apparently it's Darth Maul or somebody with his group that's actually leading over him. So, they, no, they show. I mean, they show Darth Maul in this hologram that gotcha. she's, and he says, "Come to me on whatever the hell planet he lives on." <laughs> okay. Yeah. What is Crimson Dawn? Yeah, Crimson Dawn is the. Yeah, see, spider legs. Oh, his his brother's name is Savage Opress. Yeah. And then there's uh, the Dark Force Witch Mother, Talzin, and the, the Shadow Collective or something like that. Well, according to one one thing, it, it's talking about that there. Talk about the, the Crimson Dawn Cartel. Uh-huh. Um, Maul was apparently killed by Obi-Wan. In the last, in the Phantom Menace, right? Uh, if if all didn't kill him, presumably being cut in half would have. But just like you said, being cut in half with with the lightsaber could possibly cauterize the <laughs> the wounds, which I think is true in a sense because you remember when Luke's hand was I cut know. off, there's no that. blood, right? Um. Which is weird, because if you remember the very first Star Wars in the cantina, when Obi-Wan cuts that dude's arm off, there's, yeah. like, blood laying next to it, which probably shouldn't have been there. Right. Um, so it talks about in the Clone Wars, revealed that he had survived, sustained by his hatred for Obi-Wan, just like you said. <laughs> yep. Driven insane by his suffering and fury, he scavenged metal spider legs and eventually rescued by his brother, just what you just said. Mm-hmm. Their mother... Uh, Dark Force Witch Mother Talzin healed his mm-hmm. mind and gave him new robotic legs. Yeah, there From you there, go. he began his life of crime, forming the Shadow Collective out of the Pike Syndicate. Seen in the solo movie, Mining Comex. Oh. The Huts the, and the Mandalorian Death Watch and the Knight Brothers. Never wanted to be subtle, Maul conquers the Mandalore, defeats the Jedi nemesis when he attempts to dethrone him. However, Maul was seen as a de- dangerous rival to the Sidious, oh, okay. who attacks, kills oppressed, but mysteriously allows Maul to escape for his own nefarious reasons. The Shadow Collective quickly falls apart. The solo movie implies that Maul regrouped and created the Crimson Dawn. As oh, a new power base. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, Dathomir. That was what. That was the planet I was thinking was. Yeah. Definitely, because he's hanging out. Um, 
There had been great hope that Maul would feature in any solo sequels with Kira, Kira, that's Kira that. summoned by to his side. Fans can now hope that Maul will appear in the upcoming Obi-Wan spinoff instead, since Solo <laughs> kind of sucks. Okay. Said, yeah, the box office is terrible. Boy. <laughs> oh, boy, it must not be doing too well. Oh, yeah, because I think they had said that Rogue One had already made, like, $300 million by this point domestically, and, it, and this one squeaked maybe two, if that. Well, I think it goes back to what we were saying. They're going to learn quickly that they can't just slap Star Wars on it and expect to make billion dollars every time. Yeah, it's very true. I think you'll get, I think you'll get it for the main movies, which there's one more of, right? And then uh, maybe some of the, like you said, some of the big people. But who the hell wants to go see a Boba Fett movie? That guy was in the, well, that guy was in the, the show for like two minutes of screen time. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, hey, here's some more money that all these sweaty nerds will dish out to us. Exactly. Well, I think you're right. It's because they know that the the ninth movie is the end of the, the you know triple trilogy franchise of the original storyline, and they're like, man, we gotta take, we gotta start these Star Wars story spinoffs to yeah. keep all going. Yeah, so. but they've already gave that that Ryan Johnson. A whole uh, a movie trilogy of his own after this, because for some odd reason they really liked what he did with the Last Jedi. Really? Yeah. I, I oh, so they're going to do a whole other, just like a whole other Star Wars spinoff? Uh, it's some kind, yeah, something maybe another trilogy of some sorts. I don't know. Wow. After this one's done, I I don't know if that's a smart move or not because that could do, suck that movie up hard. Wow. Well, that's what happens when you own the rights to. The, the loot, the you know the Star Wars canon now they can start doing whatever they want. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. Well, enough about Solo. I talked about it quite a bit. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, I know. We uh, so we were watching. Um, we I think we may have talked about this, but the, I know the trailer is out. Um, looks kind of funny that they should. And I like the original, the original Ant Man. But um, the Ant-Man and the Wasp uh, trailer played, and that's coming out soon. And I think that, I mean, again, <laughs> these these Marvel, DC, not as many because they haven't cranked out as many yet, but Marvel and their ubiquitous, uh, you know, movies coming out. So uh, chalk up another one. Although I, I did like Ant-Man, and I like Paul Rudd, and I think it's funny, so... Um, previews look pretty good for it. It looks good. I probably won't go see it. Yeah, <laughs> just not not because of anything with the movies. Just just me. Yeah, it robes is in the mood lately, folks. So <laughs> he's. Uh, I'm in a mood. I tell you right now, I'm just in the mood. A, a little funked out from uh, just too much overload of all his crud. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. <laughs> Well, you should, and then you'll feel better. So, <laughs> um, and there is my wisdom, people. The person that I voice my my life to is giving me that kind of response. Wow. No, I would only say, with the rest of that, if it is your wife. There you go. So, um, 
And what was the, oh you sent uh, you sent me a trailer the other day for uh, it looks like a, a spinoff of now the uh, Transformer movies. Yeah, Bumblebee the movie man. <laughs> no no Michael Bay invo- involvement with this, which might make it a good one. Do you know who's directing it? Who they said was directing it? And uh, it looked like from the trailer, Haley Steinfeld is going to be the main actress in it. Yeah. So. And it looks more like the 80s Transformers that I grew up watching. I was say, you mentioned that, yeah, that it kind of went, it looks like it might, and maybe that's a good thing if they go back to that, that, that kind of format of what we were, yeah. we were kind of more familiar with. Uh, let's see. Uh, it says Travis Knight. Travis Knight. What else has he done? Um. <laughs> Travis Knight. Isn't he one of the, one of the no. dudes from the New Kids on the Block? I know. I was going to say, is that why it sounds really? <laughs> no. Uh, looks like he directed kids stuff. The Box Trolls. Paranorman. Oh. Kubo and the Two Strings. Kubo and the Two Strings. That was a pretty good movie. I saw that. I haven't seen that. I, I did want to see that one. Eh, give that a watch. I mean, it's it's neat. I like the other two. I like the Box Trolls and Paranorman. I thought those were pretty cool. The Box Trolls, I, if I remember right, was like kind of like a big hit. Like it went over pretty well. Yeah, because uh, it was it was like one of those sneaker, you know, kind of sneaked up on you type hits. Yeah, yeah, and I think families really liked it or whatever. I just remember hearing a lot about it when it was out. Um, and then uh, Paranorman, I did not see, but I heard that also got some pretty good reviews. So oh, yeah, we'll see what this guy can do with this thing. Yeah. Interesting. Bumblebee. Um, all right. And so then I'll, I'll just tell you. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Wait, wait. Oh, I got some big news here. Okay. So I know I know Z, I know Zed's gonna be listening to this podcast. I wish we could have put this at the beginning of it. We can move it up. No, we're we're gonna leave where it is because we'll make Zed listen to the end. <laughs> Zeddy boy, your boy Jed, Jared Leto is getting his own Joker movie. What? Mic drop done. Come on, did that just come out? Is this breaking news? Uh, well, it's breaking news to me because I just now saw it. Well, I didn't hear of it before either. So. <laughs> It's being reported that Jared Leto, uh, um, sorry, uh, it's being reported that Jared Leto's version of the Joker is getting its own standalone film set in the same universe as Justice League. Wow. Uh, Leto's version of the infamous Batman villain, which debuted in the 2016 film Suicide Squad, is in talks to give the character more depth in all of, in a film of its own. It would wow. be a spinoff. To the previous movie take place in the DC Extended Universe, which would also play, uh, you know, just talks about uh, that's in the same crap as all this other DC crap that's out there. Uh, <laughs> I like I like that Joker. I thought it was a, a cool different version. Uh, I know Zeddy's just not much of a Jared Leto fan, so yeah, I thought it was good. I mean, it kind of shows how kooky he is, crazy he is. Uh-huh. Yeah. Until he cracked, he is. So. Aren't we all? Uh, yes, we are. <laughs> I, I know I am. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's neat. That's interesting news. 
one uh, did it say what year they're looking at um well you know it's they're talking about it thinking about it we're probably gonna see it about 2030 <laughs> say knowing dc the way they're moving on some of these things come on guys yeah they, i mean they've already canceled this cyborg movie that's not even gonna happen now so oh no i didn't know that yeah it's it's all crap man that that, that whole dc thing is just like they're done what are they doing? Like, what happened to the... Is Wasn't there supposed to be an Aquaman movie, too? No, well, that comes out later this year. Okay. Big hopes for that. Because if that one just bombs, it's... I mean, I think DC is just, like, totally done. Yikes. Yeah, they started making their, their turn with these last couple and the Wonder Woman thing, and I thought the Justice League was okay. Yeah. And then, uh... Well, they gotta... We, got, we gotta have a Superman, right? And Superman came back, so... Yeah, I I think Justice League was just was just fine. I mean, there is nothing wrong with it. But you got all these sweaty nerds out there that all about Zack Snyder and you know they just for some odd reason thought that his version would have been the best because they're hoping for that Richard Donner Superman two version that was better than what we got. But I I'm here to say that's probably not the case. That Zack Snyder's version probably really sucked. There's a reason why that it got re-edited as much as it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's, I remember we were talking about this work got a little disjointed in that one thing, so. Yeah. Oh, well. All right. So, any more breaking news? Um. <laughs> I, think, I think China is having a war in my stomach right now. Oh, no. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Chinese food dinner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll wrap this up quickly. <laughs> so uh, my wife and I went to New York City this uh, past weekend. Well, so over the Memorial, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, we went for an extended a little Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday kind of thing. And we went with uh, two other couples. For our, all for our 50th birthdays as we were turning 50 or, you know, four out of the group were turning 50. And while we were there, we, we, we did all the touristy stuff it was really kind of cool. I mean, man, I could not live there. I don't know how people drive there. Like you just, you can't pay attention to what they're doing, but it's an art, man. It is a, it is a beautiful thing to watch in a way, the way they get around and use the horn and, go between those lights and don't kill anybody is amazing and no, don't crash fenders. But we, we went to see two plays while we were there, two Broadway shows. Um, one was right in the hotel where we were staying. We stayed at the Marriott Marquis, uh, downtown in times square, um, in Manhattan. And we saw escape from Margarita or escape to Margarita bill. And, Man, I was not expecting much out of this other than I knew a lot of Jimmy Buffett songs and I like Jimmy Buffett. And I had never heard anything about this play other than I think they had it on the Today Show at one point just to, to kind of, because they have Jimmy Buffett on there a lot. And it was it was actually very, very entertaining. So if you guys are in New York, I think it's only got a limited run left till July, somewhere in the beginning of July. Um you know, check it out and go see Escape to Margaritaville. It was it was well worth it. And if you like Jimmy Buffett at all, they work many of his songs. They work the storyline around that to work the songs into it, and it's very cleverly done. 
but the, the main actors and actresses are amazing. The voices are amazing, and the way they do the songs are really neat. So, Is it kind of like that one play where they use all the, the Billy Joel-type songs? Yeah, I, I never saw that, but I'm assuming that's kind of what they did. So, you know, they had like this, just for example, this one heavier lady was there was on there and she was uh, supposedly on this diet that existed of uh you know bulgur wheat and carrot juice and uh and so you know when cheeseburger in paradise played you know they got to use those lines from that and it all made sense and you know there's a thing with an island with the and the volcano is erupting that's going to cause an issue with the whole island so you know his volcano song <laughs> I don't know where I'm going to go when the volcano uh, worked in. And, of course, uh, you know, Margaritaville. So uh, really, really kind of cool take on it. So if you get a chance, go see that. It was it was neat. And then we went to see uh, at the Schubert Theater, right, actually right down the, the street from our um, hotel, we got to see Hello, Dolly. And at first when my wife told me we were going to see Hello, Dolly, like, I'll, I'll – pretty much go to see any play because I, I like musicals and I'll, I'll give it a chance. But I'm like, hello, Dolly. Isn't that from like 1930 or something? I'm like, where did this play come from? They still do this play? And apparently Bette Midler um, was doing the most current revival of this play on Broadway. And she just, when we got our tickets and we knew we were planning our date, we thought, oh, good, we'll get to see Bette Midler. And I I think of who the guy that was doing it with her was, but I can't remember. Um, doesn't matter. Anyway, I mean, it was John Forsythe. Um, you know, that guy that was uh, played Elaine's boss and on Seinfeld. And, yeah. Yeah. I think that's his name. I can't remember if that's his name, but uh, that real distinguished guy that does, does the dog, <laughs> the annual dog thing every year now. Um, anyway, <laughs> that Midler, um, was taking a hiatus and so was that guy and so their their next person next big star filling in was bernadette peters so that's who we saw and uh victor garber was uh the guy that played um mr gelder whatever the gelder i can't remember i can't remember the damn name of the guy but, <laughs> um victor garber was uh in titanic he played the guy that designed the Titanic. He was in the uh, the longtime TV show Alias. Oh, that's... Um, oh, he was on... Uh, isn't that the dude from um, Legends of Tomorrow? He was part of yes. Firestorm? Exactly. He's the guy that melds with the other dude. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Victor Garber. So and, sad. man, he was totally different than I like expected. He like seemed so much thinner and older. I mean, I know that's how the part's supposed to be, too, but I think he is up there somewhere. He's probably in near 70 or in his 70s. And Bernadette Peters is 70... What is she? 73? 79? No, it couldn't be 79. I think it was around 70, 73. She's somewhere in there. Anyway, we have season tickets to... Uh, Shays here in Buffalo where I live um, the Shays Theater and it's a very beautiful theater here it's an amazing theater for this area and they show great productions off you know Broadway after they're off Broadway and they, they tour and stuff like that but seeing 
the Schubert Theater, which was maybe a quarter of the size. So it's small. It was much smaller, more intimate environments, I think, in New York, just because of the size. They don't really have these huge theaters. But it was beautiful, like older theater. And the crowd reaction to the whole thing was infectious. So we were, I think we were maybe 16 or 17 rows up from, you know, from the stage. But it, everything seemed close. I don't know. It seemed very intimate, intimate environment. And when they they came out, there was the stage. And then usually, like at least it's the way it is at Shays, there's the stage and then there's usually an orchestra pit before they even start the rows of seating. Well, in this, they have the stage. Then they had this like oval cut out near the front, which left like about a three foot wide walkway that joined the rest of the stage. And that's where the orchestra was down in there. So you could see the conductor is just the tip of his head. And the actors and stuff would come right out, and they would also walk along that little sidewalk thing that was in front of it. And I kept, like, worrying that they were going to fall down there, like Bernadette Peters was going like, to fall into the pit. But they must do it so much that they're so used to it. And, you know, actors are jumping across the stage onto that thing and everything. I'm like, oh, my God. But as soon as, like, she came out, very first number opening scene, and she like pulls this newspaper down. It's in front of her face, and she steps off the, you know, the wagon or whatever she's on. The place went bananas. Like any play I've been to in Buffalo or any place else, you know, Pantages and in, in uh, Toronto and things like that. Like you, I've never seen people go so crazy for a star when they first. Same thing with Victor Garber when he walked out. Neither of them could say their lines for like two minutes. It was just that much applause and whooping and hollering. And I was like, wow, they're really into this. And then anytime she did a number or they did a big number in the middle of it, they'd do, you know, kicks or whatever. And the place would start clapping and going crazy. And they, it, it was just really something to be part of. And they were fantastic. Victor Garber was amazing. And uh, Bernadette Peters it killed and there's little, you could see there's little parts throughout the play where the two of them, when they, um, I think they're ad-libbing um, because they get each other going. And Victor Garber almost broke a couple times and Bernadette Peters was needling him like she's supposed to be. But you could tell it was off the cuff stuff. And he almost broke character a couple times. You could see him starting to laugh and the audience was going crazy. So... It, it, the ovation at the end was unbelievable. The characters were amazing. The voices were amazing. I mean, Bernadette Peters' voice isn't what it used to be, as strong as it used to be. But she really, for her age, putting on a show like that and to do it night after night, uh, just like, wow, hats off. So if you guys haven't, and the numbers in Hello, Dolly, like I, I knew a couple of the songs, but you know, when Hello, Dolly actually played and she came down the stair, like the place went bananas. And it was just so kind of surreal and neat and like something that was unexpected. And then after the show, you come out, we went around to the back door, which was the alleyway where we had to walk back anyway. And there's tons of people were waiting there to see if they would come out. And, you know, you see a lot of the actors that you saw during it come out and people cheering and stuff. And Victor Garber and Bernadette Peters never ended up coming out. And then some bent nosed bodyguard comes out and goes, that's it. They're done. 
<laughs> but uh, <laughs> man, if you guys get a chance, I would say absolutely go see that play while it's in New York City at the Schubert Theater on Broadway. You you will not be disappointed. At least that's that's my call. So there's my two cents from the entertainment world of theater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have I inspired you to drive to New York City now, Robes? And no, we've we've done that drive before, and uh... <laughs> that's true. Um, I, I'm I'm about to the point where I wouldn't mind going back to visit, but uh, yep, I, and I, I definitely would. I think I would enjoy seeing plays there as well. Um, <laughs> but the, but the guy, you know, your voice it reminded me of uh, our little incident <laughs> with the when we were walking by me, you and Zed, you know, like <laughs> yes, I told him to go plumb something or something. <laughs> Yeah, that guy's standing on the wall, and we're yeah. walking just on his cell phone with his hard hat on, and he's like, what's up? I told him to go plumb something or something. Why don't you go do that? You know? <laughs> that was great. But, oh, dude, you would love the whole, uh, you know, 9-11 memorial and uh, the CN1 One World Trade Center. Um, yeah. Or whatever they call it now. Um, I remember uh, seeing it when we were driving in to New York that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 definitely a a sight. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I want to go there, and uh, I just I don't know if I'm ready for it. <laughs> Dude, uh, well, uh, let me just tell you this, and then I'll we'll be done. But uh, if, again, it's since this kind of is entertainment. I mean, it's something you could do with your entertainment dollars. We could talk about it, right? Um, so we we went and we did the uh, we went up the the new tower first, all the way to the hundred and second floor or whatever. And it's amazing, like beautiful views and things you can see out of there. And just looking at all, you know, looking at uh, lower Manhattan and you could see the Statue of Liberty and uh, Ellis Island and way into New Jersey and all the way down past where the land ends and everything. And then you can turn and look uptown and see the Empire State Building and the Chrysler Building and all that and look over to the side and see Brooklyn Bridge and you can see Brooklyn and you can see... Uh, New Jersey on the other side, and it's just amazing. Like, the views are phenomenal, so they did a, a top-notch job there. And then you go down to the ground level, and they have the two giant reflecting pools, which are these big squares in the ground that are way deep and all this other stuff. And I, I guess I at first I didn't realize those. I knew what they were to represent, but they said those were like the actual footprint of where the two towers were. So... It was amazing because then when you go into the 9-11 memorial, when you get down, you go down like two or three levels to the very basement floor, and they have this uh, slurry wall, which was, there's a part of that that's still existing. And that was put in back when they started building the two, two towers because they couldn't keep the, the water and stuff out of the area, so it kept filling up when they would drain it. So they had to build this big what they call a slurry wall which is like a big concrete thing it's basically building a bathtub around the construction site and then they pump all the water out and they keep it out that way so you go down there and then you're looking at this bottom of this giant square and those are the they have the north one and the south one and those are the bottoms of the reflecting pools that represented the basements of the towers but man what you talk about robes so i was you know, we went on this thing, and I'm, we're, we're down there. We're getting—it's just amazing seeing like the the bent metal and all these different 
images and things, and they have so many different things to look at, and the fire trucks, and and then you get further down there, and you get into these these little things you can walk around, tours you can go on and stuff, and you're going through like the life, like a walk into this one thing, and it starts at the beginning with like Matt Lauer on the Today Show and being interrupted, and like going to show that we have something going on, it's uh they think some kind of thing has just hit the tower. That's when they thought it was still accidental and stuff like that. And it just takes you then all the way through all this stuff. And we were, I mean, we, we, I think we spent maybe two hours down there in there. But at that point, like I started, I got 45 minutes into like this whole thing of reliving it all. And they're showing footage then of the, the clouds of smoke. And as the buildings fell and telling how it happened and, and the screams of the people. And I got like, I don't know. I got like this overwhelming I felt like nauseous and I was like, I got to, I feel like I'm going to pass out or like, I got to get out of here. Like I needed air. And it was just so much. I think all of it like coming back in because they have plaques on walls and that, that says, you know, in repose behind this wall are many hundreds who, you know, they didn't even get out there. There's, so there's people back there, you know, it just, it was a lot to take in. So you got to be in the, like, I couldn't have imagined like going to the, the Holocaust Museum in, in Washington. I've heard people, you know, have similar reactions. So at first when I was more a little, you know, not carefree about it, but I wasn't thinking so deeply on it. And then when I got into it and just all that around, I was just, and then I started thinking like, this is where it happened. You know, it's just, it became a little overwhelming. So uh, you do got to kind of be in the right frame of mind to do it. And uh, I just, we had to walk, quickly through the rest of it and i said you know we got past the parts where they told all what the terrorists were doing they have all their names and what they did all day long and their writings and there's just so much to see there though you could spend three four five days probably going through and reading all the different things and excuse me looking at all the different artifacts and stuff so uh i would recommend if you ever you know if you get back to new york city doing it because it, it, it is moving. Um, but yeah, you got to be in the right frame of mind to do it because it got to me. Yeah. So. But I, I mean, just listening to you talk about it and, and reliving that day is just. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It all came kind of crashing back. And I, I, one of the neat things we did while we were there, after we did the One World Trade Center, before we went into the 9 11 memorials, we went to eat lunch and we had made reservations at this restaurant called O'Hara's which is literally like diagonally across the street and it's right next to or behind this fire hall which was the one that you see a lot of times in the footage it was uh, the fire hall that obviously many of the first responders came right out of there because it's <laughs> walking distance or running distance across the street and many of those you know firefighters and first responders lost their lives uh, in the building and that that building was totally like they have pictures of it inside the bar and stuff like that and the bar too were just covered in debris and you know soot and stuff so it's yeah it was like thank goodness i did we didn't do lunch afterward i don't know how hungry i would have been and stuff but we ate and i had a, a good a nice smittix beer there and stuff like that and uh it's 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 really neat, but the reflecting ponds. So if you go out and spend time around the reflecting ponds, that's very uh, the, the area is beautiful. The, the the greenery they have there and just the water and 
the names of all the individuals who lost their lives are engraved in the metal that goes around these these reflecting ponds. And kind of a neat thing, we'd see these white flowers every now and then, and I read on one of the things that it says the people that maintain the memorial and all that will put a white flower into the um, victims that uh, lost... Uh, when it's their birth date, when it's their birthday, the, those that lost their lives there, they get a white flower put into their name slot. So it's kind of neat. But yeah, that's enough. But uh, yeah, just uh, very powerful, very moving. What a day, you know, uh, that you know, kind of brought America together in a very tragic way, but uh, to never forget. Yeah, yeah. definitely. All right, well. I don't want to rain on anybody else's parade much longer. So uh, I think that does it for me. Um, any any other news you needed to or wanted to bring up, Robes? Um, no. Other, you know, when I was said earlier, I didn't I didn't have relations <laughs> with. <her. laughs> Very good. <laughs> uh, uh, also, I, I I did not inhale. Yes, I held my breath. <laughs> I held my breath for a minute, but I didn't like it, and I just didn't think so. That's right. That's okay, right? <laughs> I think buy all. Everybody buys that. So, all right, guys. Well, thanks so much for if you stuck with us through all that. We appreciate it, uh, and we appreciate you being out there. If you're listening at all, uh, it's great to have you. Uh, we we really do like uh, you know to get on and, and talk about stuff. So if you guys appreciate listening to us, keep doing it like our stuff out there and uh you know send us an email um send real- money send money we like money just send money send be good <laughs> <laughs> a dollar you know yeah, look for us out there on twitter um and you can find me out there at cujo underscore real surfer that's k-u-j-o underscore r-e-e-l-s-u-r-f-e-r on twitter um and you can find us at real surfers that's R-E-E-L-S-U-R-F-E-R-S on Twitter. So, And I know Rob is out there, too, so you can find him. But he'll answer the one that's uh, at Real Surfers. So send us stuff out there. Especially but if money's attached. Money is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Help keep us going. So we appreciate you. Thanks. Take care. Peace. Be good. Love each other. We're out of here.